What's up, guys? Welcome back. Another episode of the Average Money Podcast. My name is Brad Finn. I am here with JJ Buckner. JJ, how are we doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you doing, Brad? Uh, super pumped. Our first interview tonight, we're getting to sit down with somebody that maybe not a lot of you know about, but you definitely should. His name is Bryce Matheson. He's got a ton of awesome value in the real estate space as well as entrepreneur. He's a tech guy. So many awesome things that we have to, I, I, I'm so pumped. I, we, we've had the pleasure of knowing Bryce now for a couple of months and through his YouTube channel and stuff that will link all his info in the show notes and everything. But I'm just really excited for people that don't necessarily know who Bryce is to, to get to learn about what he's doing at such a young age, like $1.6 million in real estate by like 26, 27 years old is nothing to like shake a stick at. It's pretty crazy, man. I mean, Bryce is, is doing huge things and that's why we wanted to have him on this podcast to not only just like motivate people who are out there listening, trying to figure out what they want to do, because the cool thing about Bryce is he offers many different places that people could get starting in. And we'll get into that more into the episode of the different types of things that Bryce has his hands in. But it's not just real estate. There's so much more to him that I'm excited to talk to him about and, and see what he has to say. Yeah. And and I mean, it sounds cliche, but he he's an average regular guy. Like if, if you are in your early 20s, mid 20s, early 30s, if you have any interest in real estate and you're like, this cannot be done or people keep telling me I can do it. How am I going to do it? Well, I think Bryce is going to have a couple answers. I'm kind of jealous. I, w- I wish I could go back and do some of the things that he is doing. And I even tell him, I want to copy some of those things. And he's like, hey, go for it, Brad, go for it. But it's, <laughs> yeah. but uh, Bryce, welcome to the show, man. Uh, we're so happy to have you. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be here. So we want to talk about what's going on with the real estate game on your end of the field. And more importantly, how young you got started in the real estate game. I mean, this is something that a lot of people pick up, but I mean, I don't think from what I've read that you went, ever went the traditional nine to five route. You, you kind of fell into real estate by chance almost. It just tell us a little bit about how you got your foot in the door and at what age for real estate. I think a lot of people start with, uh, with something called the house hacking. If you're not familiar with that, that's essentially where you either buy a house or you buy a duplex, a, a triplex or a fourplex. You live in one of the units or one of the bedrooms and then you rent out the other ones. And I, so that, that's how I got started. And, and, uh, it, it was almost by accident. I graduated college. I got my first big boy job and I kind of figured that, okay, I'm, I'm a college graduate. I've got this job. Now the next best thing to do, the next step is, okay, I got to buy a house. And then one day, almost by accident, my, my uncle said, Oh, are you going to rent out the bedrooms? And I can't believe I hadn't even thought of that, you know, <laughs> like it's such a basic thing, but I was like, oh, I was just going to pay the mortgage all by myself, but that's a really good idea. And, uh, and so that, that's exactly how it started. And, and it's funny because my wife, she did the exact same thing before we even got married. So I was house hacking. She was house hacking. We were renting out the bedrooms to our different friends and stuff like that. And uh, so my, my wife and I, we actually joke that we, we fell in love at first mortgage. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, I like that's that. how it started. So you married another hustler is what you're saying. That's right. That's Heck right. Yeah, man. That's how, many, good. how many girls are walking around house hacking? How no old, doubt, how, man. How old were you at this point, Bryce? I was 23 when I got started by my wow. first house. Wow. 
Oh my God. That's and awesome. It, now was your uncle a real estate guy when he said, why aren't you renting no, out the bedroom? Uh, no, not at all. He was just like, Oh, you should, you know, you should rent out the rooms to your buddies. You don't need a four bedroom house. And he was right. I didn't. So it, everybody's it got that. Uncle. I could have thought. <laughs> yeah. Everyone has that uncle. I don't know what it is. It, and was his name? Uncle Mike. Uh, Scott. Pretty okay. Close. <laughs> I feel like everybody has an uncle Mike. Who's telling them what to do financially. I don't know what yeah. it is, but it's so funny. <laughs> now, now Bryce, you said that was your, your first deal was, buying the house. So was it just a single family house and you just three bed, four bath? What market were, are you in too? Exactly. So I, I live in Southeast Idaho. So it, it is relatively speaking compared to most places in the country, it's, it's a lower cost of living, but the, the principle applies anywhere you live. I mean, whether you live in California or New York, like you can do a lot of these same principles, but yeah, it was a, it was just a single family house, four bed, two bath. And I, I stayed in the master master bedroom, had my own, uh, own bathroom. And then just, I mean, the other three guys just shared one bathroom and got kind of kind of gnarly at sometimes, but I had my own, so it didn't matter. So we're all numbers guys here, and I'm I'm guessing majority of the people listen to this show right now are numbers people as well. Do you remember roughly what your mortgage was for that first home you purchased, and then what you're renting out those rooms for? And then yeah, totally. So the positive were you negative? Where, where'd you come out at? Yeah, so the house was I bought it for one hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars. And again, I know a lot of people are probably like, "Oh, that's so cheap." And and that at the time it seemed like a ton to me. That was my very first house. I mean, one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you know. But my mortgage was eight hundred and thirty dollars a month. That included taxes and insurance. And I rented out each of the bedrooms for three hundred and fifty dollars. So oh, yeah. three hundred fifty times three, you know, r- roughly a thousand bucks. So it paid for my entire mortgage. And then I had about 200 bucks on top of that, that I could use for utilities, uh, just random things, maintenance to fix up the house. And then oftentimes it bought me lunch once or twice throughout the month too. So it, it, it was a win-win. So you're living for free at a house you purchased at 23. You're actually getting paid to live at your house at 23 years old. How incredible is that? That's amazing. Right. It was, it was nuts. It, it was really, it was a dream come true. And I think a lot of people don't realize too, is like, not only are you living for free and, you know, making $200 plus, but if I hadn't been doing that, I would also be paying an additional $800 out of pocket. So it's really like I'm cash flow positive a thousand dollars almost, which at the time, I mean, that's a huge difference in your budget. Was it just, so now you're doing this and were you like, man, I can, I can replicate this in other, like, when did it go from I'm a house hacker to I'm going to start flipping? I'm going to start buying holds. How many doors do you have right now from 23 to now? So we we've got 17 doors right now, or yeah, I think 17 doors, um, and that that includes residential, that includes a little bit of commercial. We've got some storage units and things here and there, but yeah, we've I mean it it scaled pretty quickly. So what what we did was I, I dated my my girlfriend now wife for about two years. So once we, once we got married, I moved into her house actually, and then we sold my house. So I lived completely for free for two years, built equity in that home using other people's money. And then when we sold that house, I made $40,000 in over the course of two years, I sold it for $186,000. And when I, I, I kid you not, when I was holding that check in my hands, that was the exact same amount of money as my entire year's salary. I was making $40,000 at that time. So to completely have my entire year's salary sitting in front of me, like the the light bulb clicked and I was like, I got to keep doing this. Dude, that is, that is insane. And here's my thing. Now, I'm not nearly into real estate as much as you are yet, Bryce, but 
I, and I, if you would agree with me, let me know. I think there's two things to this. One thing that I think the best person who wants to get into the real estate game and also maybe they're young or maybe they're even older, but if you're younger, I feel like the best way to get started is exactly how you did it. And that's the house hack because there's a couple ways you can do it to kind of benefit yourself is the financing you can get, you know, usually if you're buying an investment property that you're not going to live in, you're going to need 20% plus to, to put down on the right, property right. to where if you're house hacking, let's say you buy a single family house and rent out the multiple bedrooms or you buy a multifamily property, you know, that may be a little bit more expensive. But the cool thing about that is, is you can purchase that property with an FHA loan. That's the beauty of like what young people listening now, like if you're a young guy and you have, or a young girl and you have a house and you have a spare bedroom and you got a friend that needs to rent, you can get that mortgage. And when you're trying to figure out your mortgage and your payment, like you didn't think about, I can, I can get this mortgage. I'm going to get this much rent. It kind of was a bonus for you. But right. now in retrospect, you see back, if you did it again, you might've been able to go a couple more rooms on that first house, knowing that you might be able to rent and rent and rent. Right. Exactly. In retrospect, I was like, I should have bought the biggest house. I, I should have bought a six <laughs> bed, three bath. And I'm kicking myself that I didn't. But like you said, it was, I, I kind of fell into it by accident and I'm glad it worked out that way. Cause it absolutely worked out in my favor, but you know, if if you don't buy it right, it, it can be the opposite effect. It can, you know, it can it can put you in the negative if if you're not careful with it. So yeah, I was lucky, but it, it gave me that that start that really got us going. So that four that forty thousand dollar check that you got from that first sale, that's kind of what's that's what springboarded you into the rest. But obviously you you mentioned that you had to come up with money. I mean, I think the real estate, one of the biggest things that people want to say is you need money, you need money. And if you follow bigger pockets, if anybody does, you, there's many ways to get money. How are you funding all of these doors now over because it's been a short amount of time, what, three, four years? And you know, you've acquired a million dollars plus in real estate assets. Where 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 are you getting this money in Idaho to do that? So the, I think this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand is every single penny, every cent that we make off our real estate, it, it doesn't go into our household budget. It just gets reinvested and reinvested. I have never taken a paycheck. I kid you not, not even 10 cents, not a dime has been taken out of our real estate. So we took that $40,000. We bought another single family home that was non-owner occupied. So we didn't live in it. That was our first um, first investment outside of house hacking. We bought that house and then we also uh, bought a duplex. So we had three doors right after getting married. Those were both, or both of those properties were cash flowing combined about a thousand to eleven hundred dollars a month net. All that money, that eleven hundred dollars, again, we just stashed away in a bank account for a rainy day for expenses and all that. But two, it just it just picks up and keeps rolling and rolling until eventually we had. $20,000 to sit in a bank account that we could use to put into the next investment. That's amazing. So you said you haven't taken a paycheck or anything yet from the real estate business. Right. What are your, like, do you have a goal set of about the amount of money that you want to be making cash flow wise net per month? Or is there an asset amount? Like, you know, do you want to get to $5 million worth of real estate? And they're like, okay, babe, now we need to probably take some, you know, take some <laughs> cash out. Or like, what, what's your goal? What's your, what's, what do you want to end up doing with that? Right. So a lot of people, I think they have like a, a number of doors, like, oh, I want to have a, a hundred doors of, of real estate. I, I don't care. If I could, if I can make the same amount of money with 40 doors that I can make with a hundred doors, absolutely. I'd take 40 because there's less to manage, less, less work. <laughs> absolutely. 
So our, our number goal is uh, $10,000 a month net. Uh, we Again, we live in kind of a lower cost of living area. Some people that may not be enough, but for my wife and I, that's that's kind of the dream. That's enough to pay health insurance and live really comfortably where we're at. So we're not there yet, but I mean, we're getting close and it's pretty pretty cool to see the the amount of passive income we've been able to build up in in three or four years and give us another two or three and we'll be right there. So are you working a nine to five? Is your wife working a nine to five? Are you financially independent? What, where, where are we at as far as that? We're not there yet. Again, we're so my wife and I. We both work a, a nine to five job. I, uh, I I still work a nine to five job. My my wife. Uh, we're actually expecting our first child here in a couple of weeks, and so she's right. she started the maternity leave. Right. <laughs> so we're excited about that. So she's taking a break. But um, yeah, I, I am still working a nine to five, and I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't necessarily understand, or or they think that they have to just make the leap and I'm just going to jump both feet first into real estate. Some people do that. Some people go the real estate agent route. I wouldn't say that I'm like risk averse, but I still am just a little bit more cautious. And I I think that's the route that most people should take is keep your nine to five, keep doing what you're doing, build this little thing on the side until it can eventually cover your, your living expenses. So like I said, we, we probably could, if, you know, if everything went belly up right now and we had to, yeah, we we could be just fine with the passive income, but it's just not quite as comfortable as we'd like to be. That's the way to be. And I think that's great advice. So many times people are like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to quit my job. Like your nine to five funds your side hustle until your side hustle can fund your life. I was just and about to say that. So many people want to rush out. Like I, you, you made a great point. Like I could probably quit teaching now if I wanted. And, but I don't need to necessarily yet. And, and you have a a big unknown that's on the way too, which is, yep. <laughs> <laughs> which is a blessing. And it's not as expensive as people say, it's usually just a reallocation of funds, but it's money that you want to spend on them. And you, and you want to look for, you want to take them places and you, you want to pay for their wedding and you, it's going to be me. You're going to be glad that that's your head is on the right spot when it comes to that. And I mean, it's, I just, I can't believe, and you, you said you're managing all these properties yourself or are you using property managers? Yeah, no, we're, we're self-managing everything. I, we could go the property manager route and you know what, someday we may get there, but right now we've got systems in place that it's really honestly, truly not that difficult. It's really not. I want to, I want to touch on that. So a lot of people that are listening right now who may not own real estate may say, oh, well, how many calls at 3 a.m. do you really get about a toilet that's not working? Or That's you what know, I was going to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> aren't you worried about somebody trashing the house? I mean, what are does first of all, does that happen? How often does that really happen to you? But then also, how often are you coming across someone who's tr- completely just trashing your property? Good question. So no, I honestly, I have never had a call at 2 a.m. Never. Not, not even once. And you know what? Maybe that'll happen someday, but I, I turn my phone on silent when I go to sleep. So you know what? Like if something happens, I'll, I'll get to you at eight o'clock in the morning when I wake up, you know, it's not, it's not that big a deal. Um, as far as people trashing house, I mean, we've never had that either. There's, there's been people who have been messy. Um, you know, there's people who wouldn't have taken care of it as well as we like, or as well as we would, but that's just kind of part of the rental game. You just, I mean, when you're renting to people, no one's going to take care of the property as well as you are, but for the most part, I mean, we've had really great tenants. They're very respectful. They they're kind and they're considerate, and it it hasn't been an issue. Yeah, I think I read somewhere once like people want to live in a nice place. They don't want to. Most people generally 
don't want to live in a dump. So it's like, they're going to treat the place, like I said, nobody's going to treat it better than you, but it's like, it's almost like an excuse. Like, what are they going to do? And I talked to somebody that has a ton of Airbnbs. That's another thing. I don't want to do Airbnb because people are going to just like, I've stayed in Airbnbs and I mean, I've never walked into a place with maybe an exception of like a Vegas hotel room or two where I'm like, I'm going to trash this place. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going for it tonight, bro. (laughs) It, that's a point that needs to be made because when you tell, when you tell somebody, you tell your buddy, Hey, I want to get into real estate. I'm going to start renting places. They're going to be like, Oh, exactly what JJ said. Oh, what about the phone calls and the bad tenants? And we have a bunch of friends in real estate and I almost look for the whole, like the worst possible story they can give. And nine times out of 10, it, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. And anything major, like you said, can wait till the morning. I think one really important thing too, whenever you are getting ready to put someone in the property that you own is I see, I think the biggest mistake that people make that you do hear some of those stories from, you know, going back to, you know, the uncle or whoever, who just happened to try real estate because they wanted, they heard they could make money off of it is they're not screening their tenants. And I think that is so important to make sure that you're not just throwing the first person that fills out an application because you're nervous about getting that rental property filled. First of all, I think you need to be buying a property knowing that you can pay the mortgage if you have to, if there's a vacancy for a few months. I also think that screening your tenants is probably one of the most important things that you can do to prevent the headache calls, the trashing of your property, because you need there's there's multiple things you need to do, background checks, calling, you know, references and making sure that the landlords were okaying them whenever they lived in their properties, so on and so forth. So I think that that's one of the biggest things that I know of whenever me getting started into real estate was I wanted to make sure that I had those good tenants in there that were placed that weren't going to trash my property. And I was willing to wait a few months to find that correct tenant. Luckily, I found them faster than a few months, but I, I just told myself I needed to be patient, basically. Well, and that's exactly right. It's it's so worth even losing a month's worth of rent mm-hmm. because, okay, you may lose out on $800 or $1,000 worth of rent, but if they trash that place, it could be 15000 you know, yep. so it's worth it. One of my, one of my favorite things to do when we're looking at prospective tenants, I always, I always walk them out to their car. Always hundred percent. I love to look in their car and see, is their dash Ooh, covered good. with trash bags and candy wrappers and it, because how they, how they take care of their vehicle is how they're going to take care of your property. Always follow them out to their car and just see how they take care of their own property. That's gold, Bryce. I was, That's a gold I, nugget right there, baby. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, as somebody that doesn't have a buy and hold, I, you you guys both do, but I guess my question is, how are you screening these people besides the, the old car method? Mm. What are some things, like, if I'm going to have a buy and hold, right? I just got it. I flipped it. It looks awesome. I'm definitely super excited about getting in there. And as soon as somebody calls me, I get all giddy. What's, what's the process? I, I mean, you, you get background checks and references, like how are you screening potential tenants and what should the regular person like me going into it for the first time, what are some things that I need to go through? Like quick step-by-step step, you bing, bang, boom. And how long does that take to screen somebody? Yeah. I mean, the basic stuff, always do a background check, always do a credit check. I mean, those are the, the big ones. If, if there's ever a sob story, they're immediately thrown out their their application is is no longer if there there's any kind of sob story like i'm i'm a single mom and and we don't have a place to go and i mean call me heartless but 
I mean, the sob story, we, we've, we've fallen into that and we have had so much compassion for these people, but they just take advantage of you. And those people have by far today, still to this day, been the worst tenants. Again, I know that sounds cold, but any sob story, oh, we're getting evicted. We need a place right away. My, my kids are going to be freezing. We don't have like, again, that one word is alarming. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. Yeah. The word eviction (laughs) instantly disqualified, you know, like, but you kind of, I know it's hard to replicate, but you kind of just have to use your gut. If you have the sob story, if they've got a a credit score lower than 500, if they have any past evictions ever on their record period, it's an instant disqualification. And I, Bryce, I, I'm going to, I'm going to back you up here. I don't think that's heartless or cold. And I mean, that's a criteria and, and it's business. It's not personal. I'm sure it's not personal for you. I'm sure that when you hear those sob stories, you, you're sympathetic to their situation, but you can't be the one to help them. I, I went through this. I, I taught in a very poor neighborhood in Arizona and some of these kids were in really, really tough situations and got to the point where I had to listen to the stories but I couldn't help. I, I, I had my principal sit me down like, Brad, you can't help all these kids. I know you you're hurting for them, but that dude, that doesn't make you cold. That makes you a businessman. And it, it sometimes business is, it it sucks. It's going to get you. And, and one thing, and this, (laughs) this helps me sleep at night. I don't, again, it's not good, but I actually flip it the other way. And I, I tell myself, look, if I, if I rent to these people with the sob story, I'm actually enabling them. I'm I'm not helping them at all in their situation. They're doing something in their life that's not correct and they need to take responsibility for themselves, unfortunately. And so if I'm that if I'm that person to give in to the sob story, that's not that's not really helping them out, to be honest. Man, I feel bad for your kid. You're gonna be that stern, strict <laughs> crack that whip. That's right. Yeah. Get out and mow the lawn. I did it yesterday. <laughs> now you're you're parlaying from what I hear, and you've told me a little bit about it. And I definitely want this opportunity to hear it more in detail and for the listeners to know because from what you've told me, it sounds awesome. You're parlaying this into an app for real estate. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So with uh when we started out, I think we started out with an Excel spreadsheet, like pretty much every other investor does. I mean, you put in your expenses, you do all those things and it tracks it and it's great. And when you have one or two properties, it's easy to do, but after a while it gets really unmanageable and you're like, well, we moved this money here, but we paid this painter in cash. And how do you track everything? And you actually, you miss all these deductions. And with 17 doors, there's a lot of stuff going on. And so I, I, there's a couple pieces of software out there that kind of do what we wanted. Um, you know, QuickBooks is a, is a big one that everyone uses, but it just didn't quite have the reporting and the metrics that I was looking for. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to build something myself. And so I, I built this app It's called Rentastic and it's, it's designed just for rental properties. It imports your bank accounts, does all your taxes for you, everything. And I mean, you can classify your transactions by property and 30 seconds or less. So this is targeting, this is targeting not so much the tenant. This is a side, this is the back end side for landlords. Correct. Right now, maybe in the future, it will have some tenant pieces where they can pay rent, stuff like that. Right now, it's not that. It's just for the landlord, just to manage your own expenses. And is that live and everything already? Are we in beta with that? What's going on? With, what's the status no, it's, of that? It's, it's, it's live. Rentastic.io. You can, you can hit it up. You can sign up for an account, link your bank account, automatically imports all your transactions. You add your properties and then, then you're done. It's, it's really easy and it's, it's free to use. I already signed up. Yeah. 
Yeah, JJ was one of the original testers. That's I, right, baby. I feel like such a loser that I don't have a buy and hold. I, <laughs> I gotta, get, I gotta get a buy and hold just so we can throw this in. And I kind of want to like spin off of that because it's so interesting to me. Like, how do you just create an app? Like, I was it- just about to say that. I mean, dude, first of all, you got a one point six million dollars in real estate. Now you're going to create an app. What the hell is next, Bryce? Come on, dude. You're making us look bad. We're supposed to be average guys here. This is not average. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm feeling slightly below average right now, Bryce. Like, so, but really, like, do you wait? Do you have a background in that sort of thing? Like, what did you know a guy that builds apps and you made an app, but your buddy built it? Like, how do you, how does a dude just wake up and build an app? <laughs> no, so my my background is is in IT. I'm not I'm not necessarily a developer, but I my my nine to five job I'm a system administrator. So uh, that means I I in under my under my watch I have three thousand servers that I take care of. So it, it's a big job, um, but because of my technical background, I've got a lot of those pieces and skills that I can leverage. But yeah, it's it hasn't been trivial either. There's a lot of things that I've had to look up and learn in order to do that, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have this problem where I just, I can't sit still and I'm, I'm kind of worried about with a newborn coming, like there's going to be a lot of late nights. There's going to be a lot of just sitting there, you know, and I, I think I'm going to start twitching. Oh no, Bryce, you're never going to sit still ever never. again. Never. <laughs> ever again. Like right now, Trust well, that shows my ignorance. Bryce, it looks like I'm sitting still right now. I'm actually right now running around the basement. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Like I'm when my kids go to bed for the first 25 minutes after they go to bed, I twitch because I don't know what to do. I like, I don't know where to put my hands. Like I'm like, I, or like, here's a JJ, your father, you know, this, like the, the grandparents take the kids for the night and you're at like your buddy's barbecue. You're throwing some horseshoes, but like, all you're doing is doing this, looking around, looking around, like, where's, where's my, my kid? Where's my kid? And then <laughs> it finally hits you like, wow. It's like when you go to your, it's like when you have a dog and then you go to your buddy's house that doesn't have a dog and you're still looking around for dog poop mm-hmm. and you're like, wow, I can just walk around in this backyard and not have to worry about dog poop. It's, <laughs> do you? Yeah, exactly. You, are, you can let your guard down. Yes. And it's exactly what it is. You can let your guard down. You're never going to sit still. You, you are about to get the best part-time job, the best unpaid part-time job that oh, you've yes. ever gotten <laughs> in your life. And you might do something as silly enough like JJ and I got willing to do it a second time, which is... <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll give it a few years, see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I said, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but and uh, back to the app thing, that kind of like ties in another piece that I never realized. So your background is IT, which kind of goes into. I I saw a video that you posted on like your what your most profitable or your best side hustle is actually website streaming, right? Like you you also host websites for people. I think when we finally get a high tech enough to get a website, right. JJ's like, yeah, we got to call Bryce. He'll host that for us right away. <laughs> are you like a go daddy? What, what, what are you doing with the, with that too? Like, I can't believe we just went from 1.6 million to this dude. <laughs> apps. He's web hosting apps. We haven't even touched on something else. I want to talk to him about either. JJ, we are, co- we are costing this man money right now. Exactly. <laughs> having, having him sit here. We're going to have to pay him. We're going to have to pay him for this interview tell us about the web tell us about the web hosting there bryce yeah no so uh i think a lot of people have heard like squarespace or wix or godaddy bluehost hostgator all these different names i mean they're they're really big in the space 
And so the thing is, when you need a website, that's what you do. You go to Wix or you go to Squarespace or whatever. But um, there's a there's a quote I heard, and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something along the lines of, when there's a gold rush, you don't want to be the person searching for gold. You want to be the person selling the shovels. And so that's exactly what I do is I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I am the middleman and I host the website for people. So without getting too technical, essentially what you do is you have, you have a server and it's just sitting in the middle of nowhere and you throw as many websites on there as you want. So when you go to facebook.com, sitting on a server. Somebody is hosting Facebook. Obviously, Facebook's big enough. They host it themselves. But if you're just a mom and pop shop or you need a website or whatever it is, you've got to put your website on a server. I manage that server. And essentially, all I'm doing is I'm charging rent on the internet, just like you would charge rent to live in a house. So this is different than like buying a .com. So like I buy a .com and then I go to someone like, how do you compete with like a, how do you convince somebody that you're just as reliable. Cause I mean, isn't, isn't that the one question that people probably is, or like, what's the reliability? Like, how do you compete with such a big company or a brand like GoDaddy? Right. And that's the thing is, is I'm not trying to compete with GoDaddy because the thing is I have that personal touch. Like, like JJ, no, no diss on yes. you. But like JJ flat out said, I am not a tech guy. I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I need a website. Those are my ideal clients. They come to me and say, I just need a website. I don't know any of the tech stuff. I don't want to know the tech stuff. Will you take care of it for me? He had to set up my Outlook email for me. I couldn't even figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, I need your help, bud. Please help me with this. No, but that's that's the thing is these big companies, they're so big that they're not going to take that personal touch. They're not going to walk you through setting up your email. They're just, they're just not. And so that's where I come in. I like to interface with the clients. But also, it's it's also very passive because JJ, for example, once your email set up, one and done, like you're probably not going to have an issue with your email for a year, or hopefully ever again, you know. Right, right. But it's still a source of passive income for me as people are paying me for these websites on a monthly basis. I haven't touched their website in a year or longer, and it's still bringing in revenue. So you build their websites for them, or can they bring a already built? Like I know when I had a website, I think I used uh, the other Gator one. And like, I, I did like a WordPress website on it. Am I building a website and then giving it to you? Or are you building? Or is that like a separate feature? Either way, whatever you want to do. If you want to have me build the website, I'll charge you, I'll charge you an initial fee and then just like a recurring monthly. Or if you just want the personal touch, you say, Hey, I'm with HostGator right now. I don't really like them. It's kind of slow. It's buggy. It goes down all the time. I can take your existing website, put it on my own hosting, and then you're you're back in business and it's quick and easy. How many people are you hosting right now? Do you know? Right now I've got about 75 clients. Whoa. That's awesome. Yeah. So is it word of mouth? Are you word of mouth? I mean, obviously I heard about it through word of mouth. I mean, I saw your video and it was awesome. Like, is it just, is are people, hey, my buddy, buddy found out about you and... Yeah, exactly. Usually it's just, it's just word of mouth referrals. Like, Hey, my, this guy built a website for us. We love it. looks great. You, you know, check him out. And then they give me a call. So I don't advertise. I don't do anything like that. Now it's just, just easy money. Do you have like a cap on how many people you can host or like, you just have to get like a bigger, obviously the passive income would provide you the opportunity. Like what, I don't know. What is, what does a server look like? Is it like, is it at your house? It's magic. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is, Brad. It's magic. I believe in magic, you know, but I mean, like, no, but this, this is stuff that, that really, really intrigues me at 38 years old. I never would have thought that you could create, and that that's the value of this podcast. And like, mm -hmm. there's somebody out there. It's like, I'm an IT guy. I can do this. Like th I want people to understand that 
no knock to you, Bryce. Like you're not a magician. You're, right. you're just doing these things little by little. And you said you, you're selling shovels. Like, can, is there a cat? Like, where is this thing? Where, where's, where's my website sitting and where, where is it? So again, not to get too technical, but literally anything can be a server. Your computer at home can be a server. Like your cell phone can be a server. Wow. A server is just a fancy word for a computer. The yeah. problem is if I was to put a, um, a website on your home computer, which is now a server, the problem is that nobody can access it because it's, it's sitting in your house and you need to have all these people. If I go to bradswebsite.com, but your website is sitting on your computer at your house, nobody can access it. So what you do is you just have to take this server and put it in a central location. And my server's in Michigan, for example, just because that's where I decided to put it. Um, it's just a big, fancy, powerful computer that's centrally located so that anybody can access it. Interesting. Dude, my I'm lost still though. Dude, my mind is my <laughs> mind is blown. I I'm like, I'm glad you're on my side, man. You dude, it, that's it, why it, I pay it, Bryce to run my email. Yeah. <laughs> I obviously don't know what the hell I'm doing. Well, once again, I feel like an idiot now that I don't have a buy and hold. I feel like an idiot that I don't have my own. I have a freaking <laughs> Gmail. Like, like Bradfin at gmail.com is just not cutting it anymore when you got a friend <laughs> like Bryce. That can, now, is I'm sure there might be somebody that needs I know we're going to need one, but like, is that another link I can leave for people? Like, that's not going to compete with anything I'm doing. Is, how do people contact? Do you have a website for all this stuff? It would make sense. Like, do you, do you have a website for your website business? <laughs> uh, no, really, I don't. It's all, it's all, uh, it's all word of mouth. But if, if someone's interested in learning about my model, um, I've got a, a playlist free on YouTube. You can go check it out. It's a 22 video playlist that I built and people have left lots of comments. They it's, they've gotten good feedback on it. So it, it walks through every single step of like, what is a server? How do you buy a server? Where do you put the server? How do you do all these things? And, and it's free. I just, I really, I enjoy giving back. And so if people are curious, they can go check that out on my channel. I'll have to link that. I'm not going to sleep tonight. I, I know what I'm watching tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this is what's interesting though, is I, I mean, obviously we're in the money space. We love, we love personal finance. I'm sure you guys have gone through those blog posts that are like, oh, 20 ways to build passive income. Like everyone's seen those videos or those mm -hmm. articles, right? The thing is that I read through those articles and it doesn't, nothing excites me. It's like, oh, write an ebook. Oh, start an Etsy shop. Like it's all these same things that people just regurgitate into a new format. I don't, I don't want those forms of passive income because they're boring to me. I like this obscure stuff that no one's ever heard about. I mean, sh absolutely. There are other people in this space that are doing web hosting, but how often do you hear about that as a source of passive income? Not really hardly ever to Dude, be honest. I, right. I've made that boring passive income video. Yeah. <laughs> I think we I think you have to. Like that's like a it's like, it's part like of a rite of passage. A yes, you yeah. have to make the passive income video. And it's like AdSense revenue, affiliate marketing. You know? Yep. Yep. 100%. And then and then Bryce just drops in web hosting and you're like, whoa, whoa. Now you said there's like there's there's a ton of people going for the gold rush. You you can tell people to do this for free, and you don't have to worry about it impacting your side hustle at all because there are plenty of people. How many people are starting a website every single day? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen the metrics before. It's like like literally one million people start a website every single day. You know, it, it's wow. just crazy. There's it's never ending. It's insane. What's next? What's next, bro? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think right now I'm just gonna kind of like status quo, just keep going with yeah. what I've got, but I'm not gonna start anything new with with rentals, with house flips, with the app, with web hosting, uh, all this kind of stuff. Like Dad with the baby coming, coming up. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't we're, we're just, yeah. Your, your we're wife just might be like listening. Kind of just pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> Your wife might now, be listening. Always mention that baby. Now, for the rest of time, whenever you answer a question, you better make sure if it's important, right. you better answer, mention that baby. Now, kind of moving subjects a little bit or different topics, Bryce, there's also something else that I find very intriguing because I've done this too in my earlier years. Um, so you you made a video on YouTube that I thought was really cool about kind of different ways that you're making extra money on top of the already ways we've talked about in today's episode, but you are flipping a bunch of the toys that you purchase. So oh, yeah, I saw that video. I saw it. Yeah. As in toys, I'm meaning, you know, you're, I call them a snowmobile, but you call them, was it a sled? <laughs> a sled. Yeah. A sled. See a sled is something you pull behind a side by side. That's what I call that. <laughs> the plastic things you buy at the hardware store, but um, no. So you're, you're flipping motorcycles. You're flipping, you know, sleds, you're flipping a whole, all different kinds of stuff. Could you talk a little bit about one, how you got started with that, but also how exactly does that work for you? Like, how do you find it? How do you, you know, how did you learn how to fix the stuff? And then how do you, you know, return your money on that, on that initial yeah, investment? Totally. And I think I saw a camper in there too, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. There was a, there's a couple of campers in there. <laughs> nothing's off limits with this kid, man. <laughs> so to give you a little bit of a background, I, I, I was raised in a good, like middle-class family. Like dad went to work. Uh, I had like, I don't want to dump on my upbringing because I was very, very fortunate with how I was raised. But that being said, like money was still tight, you know, like we didn't have a lot of the, we didn't have a lot of the toys. Like I always saw my friends and their parents with the boat and the four wheelers and this and that. And like, we would go on hikes and, and not to downplay that or anything, but my parents would just say, we just don't have the money. And so growing up and now being an adult and soon raising my own family, I decided I want to do things differently and I want to have the toys and I want to do that. But the thing is that if you go to the, I don't even know what you call it, the four-wheeler store or wherever you go to buy these toys brand new, right. I mean, it's going to be $15,000 for a four-wheeler. And then over the next few years, you lose all this money and depreciation, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And the thing is, I, I just can't do that. So what I decided to do was I started looking for um, just cheap ways to buy these toys. And I found, um, I had a buddy who introduced me. It's not like this was my idea, but I got access to the auctions. And so I buy these toys and they've either been wrecked or rolled or, or most of the time it's usually just minor cosmetic stuff, but anybody can get access to these auctions. And so just, uh, just the other day I bought a snowmobile, um, for $4,000. So I won it at the auction right now it's worth $9,000. Um, I, I bought a sled. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry. In New, York, in New York, we call it a snowmobile too, but we call it a snowmobile. Yeah. Snowmobile, <laughs> snowmobile. With that accent. Want to go up? Want to go upstate and do some snowmobiling? We'll do some snowmobiling. <laughs> now, Bryce, you said you get access to these auctions. What are these auctions? How do you find them? How do you get access to them? Yeah, I I think the easiest way is just go check out that video I did. I talk about all like, and really, like I said, it's free to sign up. You can bid on these auctions. It's not like like you see in the movies, you know, where everyone's got this stick that they hold up that says, Oh, you know, a hundred dollars, $200. Mm-hmm. It's like that just virtually. I mean, you just click and say, Oh, I'm going to bid a hundred dollars. I'm going to bid $200. So yeah, anybody can go on there. You can look at these items. You can actually go to the auction 
uh, a week or two before the the online auction, and you can look at these things. They've got these lots all over the country, and you can look at the items in person. So you're not bidding on these things blind necessarily. But like I said, I, I bought that sled just two or three weeks ago. Uh, last week, I picked up a motorcycle. I spent eighteen hundred dollars on it. I put eight hundred dollars to fix it up, and now it's worth five thousand. And the cool thing is, not only do I get to ride these toys for as long as I want, when I'm done, I sell them make a profit and I got to enjoy them for free and then go and do it again. So like going back to my upbringing, my parents said, Hey, we can't afford a $15,000 snowmobile or a $15,000, you know, four wheeler. I can't either. And that's why I'm not buying $15,000 toys. And I think it's awesome because you didn't really necessarily get into that to make money. The, the making money part, if you haven't a profit, but you were really just doing this to fund the things that you like to do. And I don't think that like falls under frugality. I think that's just like intelligence. Like you're taking, Mm -hmm. you're taking advantage of post appreciation and saying, I don't need to buy new when I can do a little bit of cosmetic work and enjoy the heck out of these things. And if, are there any that like you kept and you're just like, man, I, my heart's in this thing now. I don't think I could, I don't think I could let it go. You seem like the type (laughs) of guy that's like old business, like, nope, this thing's got to go time for a new one. I'll, I'll be honest. The motorcycle I just bought, that was, uh, that's one I'm going to keep because it's, it's shiny. It's all blacked out. It's got a big, nice engine. Sounds good. I'm keeping that one. But most of the time, um, yeah, I, I keep them. I ride them for two or three years and then up, oh, sell them, get something different. Just try something new. I think that's so smart. And to bring up kind of like the personal finance frugality aspect of this is kind of Brad, like what you mentioned, you know, you can make excuses to say, Oh, I, I can't go. Cause I don't want to afford this. Or if you're on the personal finance side saying like, oh, it's just way too expensive. I'm going to lose so much money in depreciation. But let's say you're in your group of buddies like to go ride Harleys or they like to ride side-by-sides or ride four-wheelers or whatever. There's a way you can do it if you're on this journey to financial freedom or whatever. That doesn't mean you have to just sit at home on your couch and not do anything but watch Netflix and save up your money in an index fund. You can still go have fun. You just got to think about how to do it a little bit of a different way. So I think that is, I th- first of all, I think that's amazing. But I also, it's it's really cool to bring that to a different perspective of how you can actually do these things and still not lose all of that money in depreciation and happen to actually make a couple bucks if you get lucky. It's beautiful. well, and the thing too is like if you if if I break even, if I make zero dollars, I don't care. I mean, I I I got to use this toy for mm-hmm. free for as long as I wanted it, and then if I sell it for absolute minimum what i'm into it great zero dollars i don't i don't care but i think one of my favorite quotes is not i can't afford it it's how can i afford it and you just have to be a little creative just kind of think outside the box and think this is the lifestyle i want for example if you want to travel i didn't again i i didn't grow up traveling i always wanted to travel my parents said we don't have the money sorry we can't we can't travel i don't i don't believe that or i refuse to believe that if if traveling is a priority for you figure out how to churn credit cards for the points to travel for free, or it's all about priorities. My wife and I, we have a vacation fund. Do we maybe put other things aside so that we can put money into this vacation fund? Absolutely. Maybe we don't go out to eat as much or whatever it is, but whatever lifestyle you want to live, you can get there. It's just all about priorities. Preach it, brother. Those are the same people that are saying you can't do real estate if you live in New York, California, things like that. Like Exactly. All excuses. My... I'm working with John Scholler and he's in West Virginia. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a little bit harder here in New York, but 
you can still find a way and you can still network and, you know, you can still make it possible. And that's, that's the point that you're making is it's easy to find excuses, right? It's easy to find the easy way out and, and excuses will just dominate you in every way, shape and form. You need to go out and you need to take the bull by the horns and do the things that you want to do. And if you can't do just like anything, if you don't know how to do something, you look it up. Right. And if if you want to do something, look up how to do it if you don't know how to do it. And I feel like right. you've just you've just lived this continuous path of I have a hurdle in front of me. I want to be on the other side. How am I going to figure this out? It's, it's amazing. I mean, Bryce, this the amount of stuff that you're doing right now, bud, is just incredible. I applaud you. I mean, it's amazing. And and to be honest, you're younger than I am, but I'm looking up to you because I want to get to where you are when I grow up. <laughs> I appreciate that. But right back at you, man. I, I, I mean, way to go on going full time on YouTube. That's thank you, man. incredible. I, I so badly want to catch up to you. It's, just got to keep uploading. It's just, it's all about that network. It really is. And you guys, I think we can each say this about each other. We, we continue to inspire each other or raise the bar, not in a competitive way, but like when I don't think that real estate's possible, I can find somebody that's doing it and doing like I'm 38. So like mm-hmm. doing it way before me and that's where that excuses comes in. And I, that's the beauty of what this podcast and not only in this one, but the ones that JJ and I are going to continue to make is if you sit and listen, it's going to be hard to make excuses. It's, it's Bryce is a regular guy. He's about to have a kid and like I, JJ, you say, well, like I, I definitely, I, I admire what you're doing. You're a freaking stand up guy too. You're not even a freaking dirtbag because I think to right. do all, to do all these things, except for the kicking the single mothers out when they get evicted, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like you, you also happen to be a really, really stand up guy from knowing you in personal conversations outside of this. I think that's worth noting and at least Every time that I've had a down day and I tend to whine and cry to my friends, you've always had something positive to say to me and you've always had a way to throw me a meme or give me a quote or something, even in the early days when we barely knew each other. And uh, I, I just wanted to publicly thank you for those experiences and let you know that you've impacted my life in a very, very positive way. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you. JJ, I, I, I don't want to ask this guy any more questions. He's, I, it's like I said, we're costing him money. He's got to get off of this call. Yes. <laughs> He's got a laundry list of things to do. So I'll sign off and say, Bryce, thank you so much. I, I appreciate your time. And I look forward to hearing all the positive feedback that's going to come from this episode. Yeah, Bryce, it was amazing, man. Do you, uh, for the listeners now, and you know, obviously there's different places you're on social media, you got the YouTube channel. I mean, is what, plug your stuff, let them know where to find you, where to reach out to you if they're interested, asking any questions or whatever it may be. Probably the easiest way is, is on Instagram. I, I post a little more personal stuff there. If you want to see into my personal life, whatever, you can see that. Uh, that's at Bryce Matheson. That's with a Y, Bryce with a Y. And same thing, Bryce Matheson on YouTube, uh, talking about my real estate, web hosting, you name it, a little bit of everything. Awesome, man. Bryce, thank you so much for ha- uh, coming on the podcast. Brad, you got anything else for him? Yeah, guys, I, I appreciate you guys tuning in to listen. 
If you are listening on one of the streaming services, guys, please leave a comment or at least leave a review. Reviews are very, very important to the early stages of this podcast. We want to try and get it to as many people so that people can hear stories like Bryce's, as well as JJ and I just living life and getting through it. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube if you want to see the raw video version of this. If you are listening somewhere that just has audio on Apple or Spotify or something like that, you could shoot over to our YouTube channel, The Average Money Podcast. Instagram at Average Money Podcast. Twitter is just Average Money because they limit your screen name to only 15 (laughs) characters, those jerks. And uh, we'll catch you next week, guys. Thank you so much for listening.